Hi, this is Amber and welcome to today's podcast. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. For those of you that don't know, I'm a Reiki master teacher and a shamanic practitioner. I've been running my own healing practice since 2007. The work is focused on core wound healing, life purpose work, sacred union work, abundance alignment and online coaching and healing sessions. The website again is sacredspacehealing.org. So today's podcast is looking at unresolved trauma. Now, I won't know when this podcast will be heard um, and by who and who will stumble upon it, but right now this is recorded uh, early April 2020 as we find ourselves in the midst of very surreal, epic events in our world's history. And so it's inspired really by what I'm witnessing uh, as people go into quarantine in inverted commas and lockdown in in inverted commas. And um, at the same time, a lot of information that I uh, hopefully will be sharing has relevance whether you are in extreme situations or not. So I want to talk about unresolved trauma and how it manifests in our lives. Now, it's a really big topic um, and it has many different permeations to it, which can't be effectively covered in a podcast, and I wouldn't aim to do that. But I just want to give you an overview of some things that can happen when unresolved trauma starts to come up in our lives. So in terms of the context of where we are right now, what we're seeing is millions of people around the world being forced to stop and not have any distractions. I mean, we still have distractions, and I think one of the most disempowering things that as a world community we are doing is to is is to buy into labels isolation quarantine lockdown you know words like that this isn't isolation it's not you know people who are it's kind of i mean it's a horrific situation for so many that are suffering but actually when you look at how people are reacting in many ways it, it doesn't really match up it doesn't make sense you know people are reacting in a very um almost exaggerated way so we've had nearly two weeks of uh lockdown nearly and it did come in very quickly here in the uk and it was a shock to the system for many of us because it came in so rapidly and there was no real warning for it and that in itself can create a kind of trauma and we've been given terms such as uh, social distancing, self-isolation and quarantine. And then what I've seen is a lot of people going on social media and saying, oh, day whatever of isolation. Um, and they're doing something crazy. You know, they've got a, a lampshade on their head and they've decided to paint their face red because they're going insane with isolation. Well, I'd just like to quantify what isolation actually is. You know, isolation would mean that you were cut off from the world. Isolation is, and I talked about Nelson Mandela's journey in another podcast, where he spent 23 hours of his day in a cell that that was barely, you know, big enough to move around in. He had enough space to do sit-ups and that was it, right? That's isolation, you know. Isolation is being 
put in a put in a darkened room and denied all physical contact with the outside world, all stimulus, all music, um, all literature, uh, anything visual, anything that you can hear, anything sensory. You know that is isolation. I mean, if you want to talk about isolation, there's people, there's millions of people around the world in in um, prisoner of war camps, in refugee camps, uh, plenty of people who are being uh, denied their liberties in prisons all around the world, plenty of people who experienced extreme forms of isolation at Abu Ghraib and Guantanamo who could tell you what isolation is. This ain't fucking isolation. You know, if you're sat at home and you've got your laptop and your apps and your music and a fridge full of food and you can look out the window and you can hear birdsong and you can have a bath and have a shower and cook a great meal, that's not isolation. That is a retreat. And what we are experiencing right now is the collective being sent on a retreat. Now, for some people, it is it is a stressful retreat because they're worried about money and how they're going to you know, look after themselves financially and others are worried that they're going to get ill and then others are feeling some of the effects and are feeling ill. Okay, so I understand that there's grades of this, but for the majority of people, it's a retreat. You're having to stay at home, although you can go out and have a walk in nature, and you can go to the shops, but what you can't do is go to pubs and clubs and restaurants and theatres and cinemas. You can't have too much stimulus. Um, You can't be around too many people. Now, for a, a lot of people, that's a form of retreat. If you go on a Vipassana retreat, for example, that's a 10-day, can sometimes be longer, silent meditation retreat where you eat with other people um, and you meditate with other people, but you don't communicate. Um, you don't talk. You don't spend your day sort of chitter-chatter, talking shit. You, you're you focused on meditation. Uh, in shamanic initiations, you would go into a burial ceremony or a vision quest or a sweat lodge. Now, a vision quest, for example, you know, it traditionally would be that someone takes themselves off to a place in nature and it's just them, their tent and everything that they can carry or it's not even sometimes not even a tent you know it's whatever you can create for shelter and you take enough supplies with you for however long you're going to go on this vision quest and when you're out there it's just you and the land and the elements and you're by yourself now that is isolation right because there's no human contact you're not on your phone you're not on your laptop you're not watching you know box sets you're not listening to music, you're not on social media the whole time. That's a form of isolation, and people do it so they can really face themselves, face their demons, and feel better connected to themselves and to a higher force of energy, a higher being. So that's isolation, right? But we're terming something that is a retreat into something traumatic. So that's the first thing to say around... Uh, trauma and uh, uh, trauma triggers at this time is that we are traumatizing ourselves with the language that we're using and buying into. So you have a choice. You can say to your friends, oh my God, I'm in isolation. I'm in self-quarantine. I'm in lockdown. This is horrific. I can't do it. Like, you can say all of that stuff to yourself and to others. You can buy into, I had a cough yesterday. I think I've got it. Um, 
you can buy into the statistics. You can do all of that to yourself and traumatise yourself. You can traumatise yourself to believe that if you go out and you are near someone and they cough or they sneeze that you're going to get ill and die. You can traumatise yourself if you so wish in that way. I wouldn't recommend it because it's going to take some time to undo that damage that you are doing to yourself. But the other aspect of trauma and recovered or remembered trauma is that at this time, in retreat, a lot of people are spending a lot of time by themselves. And this is the purpose of retreat. This is why people go on Vipassana. This is why people go on vision quests and do these ceremonies because they want to face themselves. You know, this is why people that are on a spiritual journey often disconnect themselves from the distractions of the world because they want to face themselves and come to better understand themselves. And I think what we have at the moment is an opportunity to do that. But how we term it, how we view it and how we frame it is what's going to define how we come through this. And and everyone's going to have their own way of moving through this. And I can only offer suggestions. So when we sit with ourselves, we go through many layers and we go through many kind of mini deaths, you know, um, we want to be distracted, we feel restless, we feel uncomfortable, um, we may feel irritable, we might find that emotions come to the surface like sadness, grief, anger, frustration, loss, confusion. And these will often be coming from a really deep-seated place in us. And usually what's coming to the fore is childhood fears, childhood traumas. I remember my first vision quest being a really really, really difficult experience. And I know that, you know, looking back on it, what made it so difficult was my uh, perception of what I was experiencing and, of course, my unresolved fears and traumas that were coming to the surface. But actually, the experience itself, being out in nature having time to contemplate, to meditate, to breathe, to be in prayer, to be in ceremony, to be in community, even though you are, you are isolated, you're still in community. All of those things were really beautiful, but I wasn't seeing the beauty. I was caught up in the pain and the fear and the, um, the suffering of it all. And it was only when the sun came up the next day and uh, night turned into day and I could leave, I could go back to camp, that I realized what a blessed experience I had been through in the depths of that night and that through all of the pain and suffering that I'd experienced, I'd had a very profound uh, journey that was life-changing. And when I next went back into Vision Quest a year later, I treated it completely differently and I didn't allow the fears and the the traumas and the insecurities and uh, the conditionings of my mind, of my programming to get in the way of the experience. Every time fear came up, every time a really powerful emotion came up, I didn't deny it, I didn't push it away, but I didn't dwell in it either. I went into um, prayer, I went into ways of being that were very soothing for myself and so my second vision quest was a really really beautiful experience it wasn't suffering suffering is often what we impose on ourselves that's why I started this podcast with this looking at this definition of isolation because we are imposing suffering on ourselves by how we are choosing to define isolation in fact that we're choosing even to call it isolation 
So the first layer is that all these emotions come up and they can be overwhelming. And then when we sit with them, like really sit with them and allow them to be there, they start to reveal themselves a bit more to us. We start to understand that we're not angry because we can't go in this, say in this scenario, we're not angry because we can't go to the pub or we can't go to the theatre or because we're at home. You know, we're angry because this situation reminds us of an unresolved experience in our lives, whether it was a year ago or it was, you know, way back in our childhood. And we realise that we're not scared because something bad is actually physically going to happen to us. You know, if we're in our homes and we're doing all the right things and we're looking after ourselves, there's really nothing that we should be terrified of. We realise that that terror is of something deeper. And if we sit with it and we allow it to reveal itself to us, we'll probably get a better idea what what that terror is. And again, it, it will most likely be something that happened in childhood. Now, I think that when trauma starts to come to the surface and you're not held, so you're not in community or you're not held by your peers or you're not in a healing scenario or you're not with your therapist, it can be a lot to navigate. I mean, it doesn't mean that we can't navigate it because our ancestors navigated it by themselves. They went out and did a vision quest and did these ceremonies and burial ceremonies and so on. And often, you know, community was holding space for them, but but sometimes community wasn't holding space for them. And I think our ancestors knew how to be by themselves a lot better than we do because they had to be by themselves. It was It was, you know, it was how life was and mortality rates and so on. And I think we have a very profound discomfort with being with ourselves because everything in society is geared towards the opposite of that. And in a way, even though it's geared towards the opposite of that, it ends up making us feel even more alone because we are so disconnected from ourselves because we're not spending time with ourselves. So I do think that if any trauma is now coming up for Uh, anyone personally that this is not necessarily the best time to try and navigate it by yourself but I do think it's important to reach out for help so whether you approach uh, online forums or you find a therapist that can work with you uh, or you reach out to friends and family or you reach out to um, colleagues that you trust or you find a healer or a coach I think it's a really vital time to do that inner work, to really be with, you know, what is coming up for me right now and what is that really about? Because if we do that work now in this enforced retreat period in our world's history, when the wheels start turning again, and they will, they inevitably will, and our world starts to move again, and we don't know how that's going to look. We can't know. But all we can do is ensure that we are as most prepared for that as possible, as most aligned, most in our power, most healed, um, most loving, most compassionate for whatever is coming our way. Um, And that we are co-creators of our lives rather than being at the receiving end of uh, manipulation or um, decisions that we never really had a hand in making. So I think this is a really vital time to acknowledge traumas that come up and to seek help for them. So one of the layers is, you know, these emotions coming up, but other things can also be indicators of trauma releasing itself. So 
um, a very deep exhaustion. Now, a lot of people are feeling that right now, and I think that's because, as a society, we're constantly pushing ourselves. Most people are exhausted most of the time. We never really have an off switch. You know, everything is 24-7, and I think that creates exhaustion in people emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. So there is that, but often when trauma is coming to the surface, it creates a very deep exhaustion, like an exhaustion in our bones, um, and a kind of lethargy. Uh, more vivid dreams, um, maybe even dreams about your past or past experiences that you haven't really been consciously thinking about. Fluctuations in appetite, so either overeating or not eating, not having appetite. Um, fluctuations in mood, but very wide swings, so going from feeling elated to feeling absolutely devastated, uh, or being very teary or very angry, like having one emotion that you can't seem to shift out of. A kind of brain fog, so an inability to focus on anything, an inability to get tasks done, an inability to meet deadlines, so to pay your bills on time, to answer that email, to take that phone call, to do whatever it is that you need to do. Um, it, it can sometimes come up as pain in the body, like chronic pain in the body can often be traced to deep-rooted trauma that hasn't been resolved. Now, that's especially apparent in people who have PTSD or are having to heal any kind of sexual trauma or physical trauma that they may have experienced. It's sort of deep-seated in the cells and in the muscles of the body. Uh, flashbacks, obviously, that's a big indicator of trauma resurfacing. Uh, recurring thoughts, and recurring thoughts, sometimes like repeating thought patterns that aren't useful, as well as negative self-talk. Um, a desire to isolate yourself even more. So I know that we're using this term self-isolation at the moment, and it does mean you know, to having to do certain things, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to really cut ourselves off from the world completely. So if you find that you're not wanting to return that message or that phone call or reach out to anyone, and you're retreating more and more into your world, that can sometimes be an indicator of trauma that's resurfacing. And all of these things happen because something very painful is coming to the surface and everything in our body starts to fight it, to push it away, because our mind tells us we don't want to experience that thing again. So we kind of go into continuous fight or flight. There is a third state, which is freeze. So there's fight, flight, or freeze. And we can go into any of those states when we are experiencing trauma or recovering from trauma. Um, and these can manifest in all of the different ways that I have just outlined, you know, fight, flight, or freeze, either, either this idea that you have to push the world away or that you have to um, run away from the world or that you are unable, unable to do anything, you're immobile. So you might recognize some stuff there, and, and you may feel that, you know, often people have a kind of deep-seated knowing that there's some stuff they really need to look at, but they've not been looking at it for a really long time, and they feel it will go away in time, or they don't need to look at it because they've dealt with it, or people have been through much worse, and who are they to have this thing that they're going to go on about, but now is the perfect time to do that work. A big proportion of the work that I have focused on for a number of years is the Core Wound Healing Program, and that is all about this. It is all about looking at trauma, um, PTSD, looking at how trauma manifests in our lives and how these core events leave us repeating ways of being and scenarios and situations 
that keep us forever traumatized. You know, like if we feel our lives are never moving forward, it's often because there is core trauma in us. There is a core wound in us that is asking for attention. So my advice to recap as we come to the end of this podcast is to say that if you feel you are experiencing any of these symptoms, if you like, or these ways of being, is to reach out, first of all, and make sure that you have a support network around you. And secondly, to really start to take those steps to do the work, whether it's with a therapist, a psychologist, a counsellor, an online forum, a support group, or with a spiritual healer or an energy healer. Obviously, if you feel that I can assist in any way, please go to the website sacredspacehealing.org at sacredspacehealing.org and have a look at what I offer. And you can always send an email if you have any questions or you'd like to book in. It's amber at sacredspacehealing.org. So wherever you are on your journey, I wish you much love, joy, strength, abundance and health. Until the next time, so it is and so it shall be.